Well, this morning, uh, the title of my message is, I Come Running. I Come Running. And sometimes, I mean, whenever I, whenever I played sports and things, you always had the coach, and the coach would blow the whistle. <laughs> and whenever he would blow the whistle, he wanted your attention, and we would come running, you know? Uh, I remember in our uh, college playing there and in high school that the... Um, when the coach blew the whistle, if you weren't there immediately, you could run laps after practice. <laughs> so there was always kind of a punishment for not coming in or coming on the run. Well, in this case, we need to, I think of it in a sense that God is the one who is coming to us. Now, we, we turn, of course, we are to receive him and we are to, as it were, turn and accept him and uh, bring, you know, uh, respond to God's calling. But God is the one who is initiating this. You see, God is the one who is initiating the salvation, the forgiveness that he has provided for us. We've all been lost. We're all, we've all sinned and come short of God's perfection but God is the one who has come to us. He is the one who has provided the way. And we, we see this in the crucifixion. We see this in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that while we were yet lost, Christ came looking for us. Jesus is the one who gives the story of the lost sheep. That there is a hundred sheep, one is gone. He left the ninety-nine, and he, the shepherd, is in our picture up on the wall there. He is the shepherd that goes out and looks for the one lost sheep. The lost coin person has 10 coins and one of them is lost and these are not just like 10 pieces 10 quarters these were very important um, uh, part of the headdress and part of the wedding ceremony be like losing the diamond from your ring and and never being able to have that original one back well this was kind of that similar thing that the person would search the whole house until they found it and these are the stories that God has given us to help us see that Jesus has given us, that we can understand what God is up to. God, what God is up to, this God who creates the universe, puts it all in place, hangs the stars and knows them all by name, and it's the vastness of the universe, and he's there. And he travels, If as one psalmist says, if I take the wings of the morning and travel from one point A to point B, God is there. It's like it's the speed of light coming over a mountaintop and as fast as that light makes it from one mountain peak to the next one, God is, God is there. So there is no finding a way to get out of God's sight or get away from his presence. And there's a matter of how that God is wanting to, wanting to be part of our life. Not to hurt us, but to fulfill. It's like, you ever want <laughs> the old proverbial thing what am I here for <laughs> you know and what am I here for what purpose does my life have well the purpose of our life is in found in God the purpose of our life is found in Christ because God created us for something you know we're, we're here not to just take up space and to look handsome and beautiful you know, that's a mistake. So that God doesn't have us here just to, you know, take up space or to do our certain thing uh, in, in life. God has us here that we have our talents, we have our abilities, we have our intellect, we have our giftings, we have all of these things, and they have a purpose. And that I, I love that 
idea that the, 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 the scripture says that while I was yet in my mother's womb, God formed me. He knew me. God had a purpose for me. And that everything that I needed was stuffed in there, you know? And that it's all part of the package. And then in life, we are faced with obstacles and difficulties that we, we come in contact with. And that these things are there to help bring out the giftings that have been placed there by God. And the Holy Spirit and God's Spirit comes to, as it were, bring to life those giftings to uh, initiate them and bring them to the surface and help us to understand how they fit so that every situation, every, every part of my being, every breath of my day has a purpose. <laughs> because if our breath of the day didn't have a purpose, we wouldn't have our breath. <laughs> we would not be here. So in our breath, in our life, God is there to help us deal with things in a way that will change us from the inside out, where we can love and where we can forgive and where we can deal with things in a, in a healing way that will restore ourselves and others to this place of peace and security in Christ. There's lots of things that come to steal our peace. <laughs> There's lots of things that come to take away who we are. And most of those things come in the form of pain, most of those things come in the form of hurt. And from our hurt, we kind of take a perspective of life that is standoffish or not trusting or, you know, um, second-guessing. But you see, when God asks us to forgive, he's not trying to get, let somebody else off the hook. It's us that God wants to heal so that the pain that somebody has created in our life does not continue to hurt us. That the pain that someone else has brought to us, intentionally or unintentionally, can no longer affect the direction where I'm going, nor can it affect how I use my gifts. Because we are more apt not to trust when we have trusted someone and they have hurt us. We're more apt to be cynical whenever we have tried to believe in something or someone and it ended up being a disaster. So we, we, have, we come with our boundaries and we come with our uh, borders, we come with our <laughs> prisons that we have put ourselves in and we look at this and we, we come that God has come looking for us. Now, in the communion service we, in, in John chapter 6 beginning at verse 33. Uh, this is kind of the text that I was wanted to, to look at for a moment. It says, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, thirsts no more, ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. <laughs> and, you know, if we want to be cynical, we can look at the failures of the church. If we want to be cynical, we can look at the failures of the leaders of churches. And we can see how mankind has really blown it when it comes to trying to represent God. 
the, the people who represent God are those who would die for him. <laughs> the people who are willing to sacrifice everything for him and find life. Whenever we look at our life and we, you know, I grew up in a, in a time period of, of the church and uh, when it was you don't do this, you don't do that, and you don't go there, you know. It was a very restrictive, a very legalistic time, and I, I try not to, I try never to go there <laughs> in my preaching or in my teachings because uh, there, it was more of a restriction rather than a liberating. And, and I think that God wants to liberate us so that we can freely serve and do or not do certain things. So that God is, God is coming, and whenever he came, who were the people that rejected Jesus the most? The religious people. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they ran the religious system, and Jesus came, and what did they do? They said, he's not God. If he were really the Messiah, he would come and get permission from us so that he could be uh, here preaching and teaching. And he didn't come asking us for permission, so therefore he can't be the Messiah. <laughs> and it's those religious people who were, Jesus was telling them, you hinder more people from believing than you do helping. And it's when our, when our religion becomes our profession. When we wear our religion uh, uh, like a garment that we want people to admire. God, Jesus came in, in a way of serving. He that is greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. Jesus found equality with the Father. Nothing, not, it isn't something to be grasped at. It was just there. It is. I and the Father are one. And then he has the audacity, Jesus has the audacity to say that if we believe in him and accept him, his forgiveness, that we are one with him that we are one with God. Now here I am, one with God, and what am I supposed to do with this? I'm supposed to wear it so that people are proud of me. No. I am one with God, and I am supposed to be humble enough to <laughs> kneel down by a couple of children and recognize that unless I become like them, I haven't got any hope. I have to see the simplicity of loving someone unconditionally. I have to see the, the power in forgiving someone who willfully intentionally hurt me. So my religion and my oneness with, with God is one of recognizing there is so much hope in my life and for our lives it's beyond our comprehension. I mean, that God has something so spectacular in mind for our life, we haven't even begun to dream of it. And what happens is we sometimes come with those, well, I go to church and I don't go to church or I believe I don't believe and people wear the same garments <laughs> whether they're in or out of church. I remember one guy, he used to be a boss somewhere and uh, he, you know, he was, uh, and, and people told me, well, he's just a guy, whenever he worked at such and such a place, he was just a guy who ran around with a big cigar and told people what to do. 
And after he became a Christian, he ran around with a big Bible and told people what to do. <laughs> he didn't change. <laughs> he just exchanged the cigar for the Bible, and now he could beat people up with the Bible and, and tell them that it was God doing that to them. No. You see, we have to give up something. <laughs> we have to give up something. We have to give up our pride. We have to give up our prejudices. We have to let go of people that have hurt us. The nasty things that have been said or not said or felt and done. We have to let go of those things. We have to allow God to heal us from the heart out. We have to allow God to touch our hearts in such a way that I'm not the same person that I was a moment ago. <laughs> that there is always something for me to learn, there's always some way for me to grow. There is a blessing, an empowerment, a strength, a wisdom, an understanding, an insight that only God can drop into our hearts and our minds, but we are so preoccupied with our boundaries and our borders and our, our lack of faith or our great faith or what has happened or not happened, what people have done or not done. And, and here, where's Jesus in all of this? <laughs> Jesus is coming in at the lowest point of that and saying, I want you to forgive. I want you to love I want you to recognize that not everybody's going to agree with you. I want you to recognize that anything that you pray for, any dream that I've put in your heart, is capable of being fulfilled. I want you to know that there is no limit as to what I can do through you. I want you to know that what you understand is just barely scratching the surface of what I want to reveal to you. How great is this God? How marvelous is the things that he has for us? I mean, if God not if, when God created the, the universe and the solar systems and the planets. I mean, this is just mind-boggling, and it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know, it's mind-boggling that the light years, I mean, light travels at how many miles per second, somebody? 500,000, whatever. What's that? That's it, 186,000 miles per second. <laughs> okay. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second, and some of the stars that we see in the night are light years away. Okay, that's how far God is there. And, you know, and I was, and again, I, I'm sorry, but I, I just see this, this, the magnitude of of how that the God who put all this in place, how does he communicate with us? And how does he do it in such a way that we can be a body of believers? 
He didn't do it individually because then I would have my own little group and you would have your own little group and, you know, this is God's revelation to me and somebody else, oh, this is God's revelation to me. You've got to believe me. In our Sunday school lesson, it was uh, some of Paul, of Paulus, and Cephas, and some of Jesus. They were, they were just divided all over the place. And, and Paul writes in this letter in the first Corinthians, he says, this is all wrong, people. Well, you see, there is a book and there are many, there are many variations, you know, there's only one book. We have different people who have written it in a, a New International Version and a Message Version and all of that. But the, the stories and their impact never change. The, the story of Jesus, he's a real person, lived a real life, who touched people. The, the Jewish historians write of him. So he, this, isn't, this, this is a real person in history. And his death, his resurrection, we see these things coming to us in a way that what are some of the greatest fears we have in life? Some people, sometimes the greatest fear we have is whenever, what are we going to do when, it, what are we, what are we gonna do when we die? <laughs> what are we going to do when we die? I remember um, I was in, you know, I worked with terminal patients, and uh, I remember one person a year, years ago, uh, we were describing, you know, he had called for us, to, the hospice, to come in and talk to him and things. And he said, um, and we were talking about, do you, do you want to have life support? Do you want to be put on a ventilator and have, uh, you know, all those, all those resuscitation things in place for your life, knowing that you have a, an illness which is not, you're not capable of recovering from, you know? You, you just, the illness is, you know, you're, you, you weigh less than 100 pounds and, you know, you're, you're dying. <laughs> but if you, do you want to be put on a respirator? And, and he looked at me and he says, well, of course. I may change my mind. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted on a respirator because he may change his mind. He may not want to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's like, we got a choice, you know? There's some, you really don't have a choice. Someplace, sometimes it's going to be over. Well, uh, I, I was speaking, talking about interactions. I was speaking with a, an individual. I was getting uh, some, uh, I, I, I purchased a new vehicle and they already had a recall on it. Uh, <laughs> so I was sitting in the, in the garage and having them look at the recall on the vehicle. And while I was sitting there, I, I motioned, there was another man standing. I said, would you like to sit down? He sat down. And uh, we were talking about, imagine that, talking about what happens when you die. You know, he, he brought it up. <laughs> and I said, funny you should mention this, but, you know, I wrote a book. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he, you know, and, and what, it, what it, the, 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 the challenge was that his, his wife had received treatments for uh, breast cancer. And he said that she's so frightened. She's so frightened about living. And I said, well, you know, what I do is, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to the end of life. When you die, where are you going to be? When life is over, where are you going? He kind of looked at me, what do you mean, where am I going? <laughs> I said, well, you know, do you have a faith? Do you have a religion? Do you have some type of belief? 
He says, oh yeah, we're Christian. I said, okay, that's fine. As a Christian, we know that when we die, we go to heaven because Christ has forgiven us. We took communion today. Why? Because this is, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, that I have broke my broken body and my shed blood are for you and for your forgiveness. And, that, and then after this, we have the resurrection of Jesus. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies and will be risen from the dead. So there at the end of life, there's a, there's a promise that in Christ, this body will stop functioning, but everything that is life in us goes to heaven. And I was explaining this to him, and he says, oh, you mean we don't just go into the dirt? And I said, no, we, we go, to, you know, Christ died for us, we're eternal beings, and his faith, Christian faith, was that Christ will raise us from the dead. And I said, if you go to the end of life and you know what's going to happen at the end, let's come back to the present and start living. <laughs> let's let go of our fears of the future. Let go of our pains of the past because we can't allow yesterday to determine today's actions. We need to forgive and let go. We need to be at peace and trust and go forward because God has a purpose for our life. And his purpose is still with us. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be here. So we each have a purpose. We each have a plan. And, well, what about, when should I start, start now? Well, what about, don't worry about yesterday. This is where we're at. This is where we begin. Well, what about tomorrow? I don't know, but we trust at the end. We know where we end up. So now let's start believing and let's allow God and the, this message that Jesus has given to us, let's allow this message to be the forming of the pot, the clay pot, the clay pitcher. Let his hand, his word be the we be the clay, he's the potter's hands, and let the word mold our lives into the type of vessel that he wants to make us. You see, we have a purpose. We have a plan. God has a plan for us. Billy, could you please come here? Aha, she's got to have a problem now. Okay, you, uh, wait here. Wait here, let's see. It always involves money, right? Yeah. It don't have any. Uh, let's go to Buddy Barrel here. Oh, here's a $20 bill. That's some loose change. Okay. Now, I want you to take your hand, take your thumb, hold it over, do that. I want you to take that, put your thumb, go like that. Now, you have those securely. Okay, every, raise your hands up, show everybody. She has got money in her hands. Okay. Now, here's the $20 bill. <laughs> take it why okay. well why don't you let that go <laughs> you see we have to let go of something in order to receive something yeah. so I'm putting this in the pot okay there it goes thank you very much <laughs> you see in our life we have to let go of certain things you know, we have things held on sometimes so we've, you know, I've kept this all my life. Well, you know what? 
you need to let it go. If we are going to receive something, we've got to be able to let go of something. We're, we're the, the strangest people. We have storage sheds to keep all the stuff we can't put in our homes. And then we have attics. How many have stuff in boxes that you haven't worn or seen in years? Yeah, okay. Why? Well, you know what? I may need that. <laughs> what are you going to need it for? If you haven't, you know, if you keep it long enough, they say it'll come back in style. <laughs> you, know? you know, I might need it. Recycle it. <laughs> Give it to someone else. You see, take what you have and be able to receive. In order to put more stuff in your house, you've got to get rid of some stuff. You know? If your closet is too full, get rid of some stuff. I, I used, uh, last year or the year before, I don't remember, we were in this cleaning mode. And I always used to wear a suit. I had a suit. I had, I had like 25 suits. I mean, I had a different suit for every day of the month. And, but some of them were too small and some were too small and smaller. And, uh, but, and, and so I gave them all away, except maybe one or two. They still fit me because they had bought them recently. But anyhow, I, I got rid of them all. And you would believe how much, I got, how much room I got in my, my uh, closet, you know? Now, Rhonda has more stuff than just she squeezed mine out, you know? But the idea is, uh, you know, I took them up to Goodwill and, and uh, those suits that I had paid hundreds of dollars a piece for, I got a dollar per bag. <laughs> so, but you know what? They're doing somebody else more good than they are me because I don't wear them anymore and hopefully someone will pick them up. But you see that, and I, in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 31 I like this one. It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? So what do you think? If we have this understanding of God, if you think, okay, there's another part, and, I need, and, I, and I'll wrap this up. But um, if we have an understanding of God that has him in a bucket or in a barrel, you know, our understanding of God, what it's like is we go down to the, go down to the creek here. What's the creek outside of, runs through town? What's it called? Paint Creek? Paint Creek? But anyhow, it's like going down to Paint Creek <laughs> with two buckets, going in there, filling them up, and coming out and saying, I got Paint Creek in my buckets, <laughs> you know? I got Paint Creek here. No, you have buckets of paint crick, but the whole crick isn't in there. It's still flowing. We do that with our faith. I got God right here in this box. You know, it's brought me through life. Some preacher, priest, rabbi, somebody somewhere told me this is it, and that's all I need. And God is wrapped up in this. I got God in this, and I take him with me everywhere I go. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, anytime I need him, hey, God. You know, I got him right here. And God is saying, you may have an idea, a concept, a very limited perspective, 
of God. And God wants us to know that the whole universe cannot contain him. And he has come to be with us in our hearts, in our minds, to forgive us, to let go of the past, to have a hope for a future. Hope means, doesn't mean a wishful hope. It is a certainty that God has blessings in my life. They haven't arrived here yet, but they're coming. And I'm changing so I can be able to see them. And when God shows up, I'm not going to look in my bucket. I'm going to look to him and his word. And he will guide me. He will guide me into all truth. He will bless me beyond my imagination. And he will take me places that I've never seen before. And some of those places that we've never seen before will be the view from our own front door. They don't have to be in Africa because I will see things differently than I did yesterday. Shall we stand? Our father comes running. (laughs) I didn't use the story, but I thought of uh, the prodigal son. He takes his wealth and goes and squanders it. He's living with the pigs. And he says, you know what? My father's servants are better off than than I am here. So he goes back home. On his way home, his father sees him coming a long way off and takes off running towards him. This is Jesus' picture of what God is like for us to see. This is Jesus telling us this story of what the Father is like. He comes running to us. Jesus, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. God, we confess our sin. We ask you to forgive us and live within our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that there is peace, there is protection, there is blessing, there is power, there is hope, there is life, there is strength. God, there is a renewal in our hearts and our minds that, God, every day is a new day in which we receive your blessings, and, God, you just watch over us. So in every situation, may we give thanks. May we not be caught off guard with the difficulties. May we be caught in faith, knowing that you will work this out to good in our life. And I pray that, Lord, that this week and this very day, you will challenge us by your Spirit that we may see your hand upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.